0: 102.5 FM, KXSFLP, San Francisco, and KXSF.FM.
1: You're tuned into to Spark, informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul.
2: This is Kelly Marlowe, host of Spark. Today, I'm talking with Rachel Kajak, an expert in social fluency. We will be talking about assertiveness. Do you assert gracefully and effectively? Let's find out. Tune in to SPARK. Hi, Rachel. Thank you for rejoining me on SPARK today. Let's talk about- Thanks for having me. Thank you. Let's talk about assertiveness. Um, It's an interesting topic for me. Because, you know, there's, there's, you have to watch how you do it, right? But then you're not sure whether people are going to respond to you the right way. So can you, how would you describe what assertiveness is and what is not?
3: Yeah, this is a great question. So a lot of people think of assertiveness the way they think of what's really aggressiveness. And, um, and that is to say that you're acting uh, sort of, um, you know, like you're trying to control people, whereas assertive is actually about being responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors and letting other people be responsible for theirs. So that's really the, the, the main difference between the two. Um, and assertiveness is not concerned with saying the wrong thing uh, necessarily or, um, you know, being the kind of, uh, you know, covering up what you're really feeling and that sort of thing. Whereas aggressive, obviously, is, you know, very concerned with putting yourself out there saying, you know, whatever the heck you want to say. So that's kind of the main difference. So a lot of times you'll hear people say, I don't want to be too assertive. Well, you can't be too assertive. You can't be too responsible for your thoughts, feelings and opinions and and too responsible or not responsible for other people's. Right. So um, so assertiveness is its whole own thing. So
2: I tried to be assertive. And in the past, let's say, when I was younger, I was trying to not hurt anyone's feelings. But it would be interpreted as being passive-aggressive. So what about passive-aggressive? How do you define that?
3: Yeah. Well, passive-aggressive is the hideous love child of passive and aggressive. Right? <laughs> so it's, um, it's, it's being Passive with an aggressive intent. You're still trying to get your way. You're trying to get people to like you or have a certain opinion about what you're saying, but you're doing it in a in a passive way. And so it's it's not um, it's not getting your needs met, and it's also not helping others get their needs met.
2: But you were saying that humor is passive aggressive before the show when we're talking about it and yeah. it's very well received so should I just be humorous all the time and they're <laughs> laughing but I'm being pass- passive aggressive at the same time
3: You're right so that's a really good point so the funny thing is no pun intended that humor actually a lot of times is passive aggressive and so when people are acting that way it can be funny and so it's like they're getting rewarded for that behavior and so you everyone knows somebody that um, you know, makes a joke about everything, or is very sarcastic. And while they may be funny, it gets old after a while. So, um, so next time you're watching stand-up comedy, you'll notice that a lot of uh, stand-up comedians do passive-aggressive uh, and, and humor in that style really, really well. And that's great, right? But we also know that a lot of stand-up comedians have pretty challenging uh, personal lives. That's kind of a common thing. So Um, So where that muscle sort of got built up, you know, who's to say, but ultimately, um, you know, in real life, in normal life, being uh, humorous to a point is good. After that, it kind of gets old.
2: So what about being manipulative? Um, Some people are seen that way when they're passive aggressive. So is it the same or is it different?
3: It's very similar. I think of uh, passive aggressive as um, it as the act or the behaviors, and the manipulative is like what they're trying to get out of it. So, it, you know, if you're trying to manipulate the situation um, in any way, shape, or form, you could be acting aggressively to manipulate the situation. You could be acting passively to manipulate. So, you know, it that's about intention, right? Manipulation is about what what are your intent What are your intentions? Whereas being passive-aggressive, it's sort of like, um, you know, you're acting passively. You're, you're, you're busy not saying certain things or saying things in a sarcastic way. But really, it's because you want to get your way.
2: So basically, there's a goal here, right? But it's, it's just stylistically different, whether you're being passive-aggressive, you're being aggressive, or you're being assertive. So what's the fine line then between being assertive and being all of those other you know, interpretations of what behavior you may be projecting?
3: Well, actually, there's not a fine line. It's in a whole different stratosphere. So there is something that passive, passive, aggressive, and aggressive all have in common. They're all trying to control people. You're thinking about that kind of on a spectrum, right, or a line. And over on on one end is passive, where you're trying to control that people like you. They have a favorable opinion of you. You know, you're not disagreeable, et cetera. On the other end of the spectrum, you're trying to control people outwardly, you know, to get your way, to force your uh, opinion on them or whatever. And then in the middle is passive aggressive, which is like we talked about the whole, you know, being passive with an aggressive intent. Whereas assertiveness is totally different. It's not even on that spectrum at all. It's about being differentiated. You are you, I am me. We each have our own thoughts and feelings. And opinions and beliefs and moods that we're in at different times, and so um, you know that that's okay. And that's the premise of assertiveness: is that you know you're okay, I'm okay, and we can work through it. We can figure it out.
2: So assertiveness is very freeing. Why is that? What makes yeah What makes yeah. the feeling of it so important and freeing?
3: Well, I think it's an essential for being happy in life. I think it's, um, it's also a lot of times what can uh, make you attractive, and I don't just mean that in like sort of a romantic way, but in general make you more attractive to people. And I think um, the reason why is because when you're assertive, you tend to show up better. You're not as stressed. You're not angry and busy not saying certain things. You tend to have better relationships because you're being upfront and honest and you're able to speak your mind and other people aren't constantly second guessing what you're really thinking. Like the classic example of uh, someone asks their partner how they're doing and their partner says, fine, but they say it in that tone where you're like, they're definitely not fine, right? right? That kind of communication doesn't really help engender a good relationship Another thing, too, is um, when, when you're busy not saying things, it's very easy to gossip or triangulate with other people. Like, think about any dramatic TV show or movie you've ever seen. There's some sort of triangulation going on where someone's not talking to somebody, but they're talking to someone else about them. And, you know, whenever you're gossiping, the person you're telling is thinking some version of, well, if you're talking, you know, bad about this other person to me. What are you saying about me when I'm not around, right? So this, this whole assertiveness thing can really, um, you know, spiral pretty quickly. And I think ultimately it's about confidence, res- self-respect, you know, you, you, ha- you have better leadership qualities and people want to be around you and follow you and trust you um, when you are confident enough to be assertive.
2: So, if you're good at being assertive, you'll be a more confident person. You'll have better relationships and mm-hmm. you will stand out more in a group and possibly even as a leader. Is that the best way? Yeah,
3: I would say that's a good summary. Yeah. I mean, and, and look, this is not easy. This is not easy stuff. So, I don't mean to make it sound like, you know, a commercial for assertiveness. The thing is, if you've been uh, struggling with uh, passivity or aggressiveness or the you know hideous love child in the middle, um, any of those uh, things, when you start changing your behavior, especially with people who are close to you, um, they actually kind of rebel against it, right? Like they're like, who are you showing up as now? Who is this new person? And so it's not an easy thing. Um, and I don't mean to make it sound like it is, but it's very rewarding when you get good at it.
2: So you need to be good at it in different situations, though. It's not as if you just become assertive and, and then you're going to be great across the board. It sounds like you need to know the right context to be assertive. Um, I would think you need to know when and how and uh, is situational dependent,
3: no? Uh, I would say no. I would say it, being assertive um, is a mindset. Right And a mindset is something that you pretty much carry with you all the time now, if you start behaving more assertively, if you have a more assertive mindset um, differentiated is another way to think about it, uh, then you know you're going to um, you're going to always have fallback times you're going to have you know for, the classic example is when you're when people are around their family oftentimes they revert to what role they played in their family when they were a kid. they might start acting more immature or passive aggressive or whatever so it's not like anybody's perfect at this but it's kind of like flexing a muscle right you want to be doing it uh, you want to be exercising on a regular basis to strengthen your muscles so that you can you know lift a chair or whatever kind of um, normal daily activities that you want to do same thing here the more you flex the muscle in all situations in terms of this mindset and the more you practice the skills, meaning the language and, and uh, thought processes around this, uh, the better off that you're going to be. So I would say it's, it's not as contextual as you might think. Um, the only thing I will say about context, though, is you got to pick your moment, right? There are times when it's just not a good time to talk to somebody. When you're really upset about something, maybe give yourself a little time to cool off, right? Or when the other person is uh, activated, triggered, upset, you know, maybe give it a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so from that perspective, I think context is actually very important.
2: Okay. We're going to take a quick break and thank our underwriters and be back with lots more with Rachel Jack
1: support for kxsf comes from mccarthy's irish bar located west of twin peaks in the heart of the west portal business district at mccarthy's you can enjoy the sunday nfl package warrior games college hoops giants baseball soccer and golf you may go into mccarthy's for just a drink but you'll leave having made a few new friends mccarthy's irish bar at 46 west portal avenue thanks for your support
0: Keep real radio alive, people. Live, local, real radio. That's why you're here listening to KXSF, right? On 102.5 FM San Francisco. We give you more of what you want. Music and programming curated by actual human beings who live locally in your neighbourhoods. Plus live music and interviews with local artists and bands. But to stay on the air, KXSF really needs your help. Donate now to KXSF by going online to www.kxsf.fm and clicking on donate. It's 100% tax deductible. Keep real radio alive in San Francisco and donate now, everyone. Thank you so much.
1: This is KXSF 102.5 FM, streaming worldwide at www.kxsf.fm. And you're tuned in to Spark with Kelly Marlowe, Informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul.
2: I'm talking with Rachel Kajak before the break about how to be assertive gracefully. So are there guidelines as to or... Um, is there a, a certain set of skills that you have to have in order to be assertive in a way that's that's effective?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's um, you know, there's a lot of different uh, skills within assertiveness. Um, one of them, I think, probably the most important one, if you're struggling with being more passive, is the ability to say no gracefully. I think that that is you know a, a lost art form nowadays we do the passive aggressive thing or the passive thing where we go along with whatever so let's say a friend asks you to help them move and it's the last thing on earth you want to spend your weekend doing a passive person would say uh okay (laughs) they would go along with it right they would give up their weekend Uh, a, a person who is being passive aggressive or manipulative they might uh, make up a story about stuff they have to do and how busy they are, right? Or just not answer the phone and say, oh, I never, I never got your call. I never got your text, right? So being able to be up front with people and say, you know I, I know, I hear that you really need help with moving. I'm noticing I'm feeling uh, a little anxious about this because I've had a really hard work week and, you know, I'm not um, – I was looking forward to my weekend I would love to help you in the future, but I need it to work like, you know, X, Y, Z. Maybe you want somebody to give you more notice or whatever. And then just say, so for right now, my answer is no, but I'd be happy to, you know, come over once you get moved in and help you unpack pack some boxes or, or whatever you're willing to do, right? Not to say you should always say no to somebody asking you to help them move, right? But if you, that's something that you're just absolutely do not want to do, um, then being able to say no, right, is really, really important. So that's one of them. Any thoughts or questions about that, Kelly?
2: Um, It's always easier, I think, for most people to make an excuse, right? I have to be somewhere else. I, yeah. I mean, it's easier in some ways. Um, I think it's harder in a relationship situation where you really, you know, you're trying to harmonize at the same time you want to assert what's important to you so I I think it's you know it depends on the situation right sometimes you just want to get out of whatever it is that um that you just don't want to navigate and then other other times you want to you need to navigate you don't have a choice right because it's just healthier if you do and that's when you really need to ask yourself uh, how assertive am I going to be and what difference is that going to make yeah. So um, yeah. so I think you, you know, you had mentioned that there's an underlying concept of control in all of these acts. Um, and so can you talk about the control aspect that we're all trying to um, figure out or trying to control?
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, this is where the fine line definitely comes into play. I think on one side of the line is you needing to speak your truth, right? And for the good of the relationship. And so I'll give you a, a real-life example. I used to have a friend that every time we would go out, uh, she would either conveniently not have brought her, uh, her wallet or somehow I would end up paying <laughs> And I don't know how that happened. This was when I was younger, in my 20s. But I, I finally got fed up with it because I would see her buying things for her home and then not having, you know, why would you go out and then not have money with you? It just didn't make any sense to me. So I finally had to have a conversation with her about it and say, this is what I'm noticing. It's really affecting our friendship, for me anyway. And she had a whole weird relationship with money that I didn't really understand until we talked about it, Right. So on one side of the line, it's really important to, uh, um, you know, have, uh, know when you have an opportunity, right? But on the other side of the line is, I don't really think it's worth my time right now to go into all that. I think that, um, you know, there's this illusion of control that uh, that we have in any given situation. And so um, what I mean by that is, you know, we think that whatever we say or do is going to completely control the outcome, right? That it's going to, um, that what we say is the thing that's going to make the, the difference in a negative way, oftentimes. But in the situation I was just explaining, it actually had a really positive effect. It could have gone the other way, but we don't know, Right. So we kind of go around our in our lives thinking we have all this control over situations. And if we just say the right thing or do the right thing or don't say something we think is going to rock the boat, um, that that's going to actually uh, make the difference. But, uh, you know, I want to I'm thinking of a story that I actually want to share. So I had a client one time named Jesse, and I had him do an experiment because he was really getting caught up in this whole Um, you know, perception. What do people think of me? And so I said, I want you to go out into public, whatever that looks like for you, in three completely different outfits. And I want you to just ask somebody that's a stranger, um, what do you think of me when you look at me? And don't worry, I'm totally unoffendable. (laughs) You can imagine the look on his face when I asked him to do this. So one time he went out and he was wearing um, a track suit and he happened to ha- be walking his dog and his girlfriend had put a pink leash on the dog. And so he's walking the dog and he talks to somebody in the park or wherever. And their perception of him was that he must be gay. Right. So that was one data point. And then he goes out again. And uh, I think he was wearing a suit one time and he was on public transportation and um, somebody said, uh, I think you seem like I forget if it was stuck up or I think it was actually a stronger word than that, <laughs> um, which, you know, w- wasn't at all true about him. Uh, and then the third time he went out and he was kind of wearing some, you know, uh, I don't know what to call it, urban attire. Like he had, a, you know, his hat on backwards and kind of some graffiti writing on his T-shirt and stuff. And somebody thought he was like a thug or, a, you know some nefarious character. So the point is that none of those things are necess- were, were actually true about him. It was purely just perception. And so it's kind of like, you know, you can experiment with this stuff in your life, right? You can try a new way of talking to somebody or checking something out with somebody to see if you understood them correctly or just kind of experiment with, you know, people's perception of you to realize we don't really have any control of what other people think of us, right? We can change our clothes or whatever, but ultimately, you know, we are who we are and other people have their own perceptions, superficial as they might be in those situations. And that was just, you know, for him to prove to himself that he does have some control, but it's ultimately not his responsibility to worry about what other people think of him.
2: What you're saying is that, control is an illusion then and uh, the stories that we tell ourselves may be false
3: exactly yeah and that brings up a good point so um this whole idea of storytelling we all go around in life with self-limiting beliefs and beliefs about other people that are not necessarily true so an example might be that if i share too much about myself Um, others will take advantage of that, you know, they'll hurt my feelings or whatever. And almost always this stuff comes from our family of origin, our culture of origin, our formative years when we were growing up. And then we have this tape that just plays in our head over and over again. And we actually look for those situations and kind of manifest it, Right. Because we're we're thinking this is what of course what's going to happen, so we kind of look for those things to be happening, and I think it's really important that we keep that in mind when we're talking about assertiveness and having a um, assertive mindset. Because it, it you know we need to take the opportunity to kind of unpack those stories, whether it's with somebody else or just within our own uh, head. You know, to think about like, well, is that really true, or could there be another explanation for? you know, why my coworker turned away when I was walking down the hall toward them, right? Like some people might perceive that as, oh, they don't want to talk to me when really it could be that, you know, they just remembered they forgot something at their desk or whatever. So, yeah, I think that uh, the illusion of control uh, and stories that we tell ourselves about what people are up to um, are are really the two, two biggest impediments to the assertiveness
2: mindset. Okay, it's time for a short break. We will return more on assertive finesse.
0: I'm Guillermo Goiri, host of Rockneto on Thursday afternoons. And I'm Alex, host of the Hangover Sessions on Sunday mornings. And together, we, we are, are the, the KXSF Webmasters. At www.kxsf.fm, you can live stream San Francisco Community Radio 24-7 which means that you can not only listen to the incredible programming you hear on 102.5 FM every day in SF, you can also enjoy other awesome KXSF shows only available online. On the KXSF website, you can also listen to podcasts of your favorite shows, scroll through the show schedules, read music and the constant reviews, and discover new music through our Song of the Day and Album of the Month features. And while you're perusing through all of this incredible content on our site, you can also contribute to the cause by making a 100% tax-deductible donation to KXSF to help keep us on the air through 2019. Broaden your broadcast experience. Visit our website at www.kxsf.fm and become part of our community. And don't forget to donate. Thanks Thanks for your your support. support.
1: This is KXSF 102.5 FM, streaming worldwide at www.kxsf.fm. And you're tuned in to Spark with Kelly Marlowe. Informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul.
2: Rachel K. Jack and I were talking about the illusion of control before the break, Um so, you made me think of the imposter syndrome where um, it's can you explain that what happens even though, yeah, you know, in that i guess how, and how that ties back to assertiveness?
3: sure, absolutely. so uh, you know, I think about this from the entrepreneurship perspective. I've been an entrepreneur for well over a decade, and I've been a leader within. Uh, organizations. And as I've gotten, um, more, uh, notoriety or more, um, you know, positions of authority, I have, uh, sometimes noticed myself struggling with imposter syndrome. It doesn't happen as much anymore. Certainly when I was younger, it did because it's like, you know, this, this, um, concern or belief, like it, do people really, you know, find me credible. And, and it's this, um, very common self-limiting belief. I hear it all the time from entrepreneurs. Um, I hear it a lot from women, especially. And it's this idea that, um, you know, we, uh, we might not be as good as we think we are, <laughs> right? And I think that um, when you suffer from that occasionally or all the time, as, as it can be for some people, it causes you to act in ways that you wouldn't naturally act, and it really does a disservice to you in terms of being assertive. Because, you know, we're looking for um, we're looking for information that supports what we already believe about ourselves, and so any little body language or uh, something that somebody says to you that could imply imposter syndrome. You know, you're like, oh, there it is. They don't they don't find me credible or, you know, I said the wrong thing. And so uh, everyone's going to think I'm a joke or or whatever you make up in your own head. So I think imposter syndrome is a really uh, popular, not popular, common, self-limiting belief.
2: So you're saying that one should always get feedback about your own narrative that's going on in your mind um, Mm -hmm. and then check to see whether the narrative is actually true.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think sometimes you have an opportunity to check whether it's true and sometimes you don't, but I like to play a little game with myself and assume that it's not true. If I notice myself having a self-limiting belief or, um, you know, something that, uh, whether it's imposter syndrome or some other self-limiting belief, I always ask myself, what are the other possible reasons that that could, that, you know, piece of data whether it's something I saw or heard or whatever, could be something else, right? And oftentimes you can talk yourself out of this, um, you know, self-limiting belief by kind of asking yourself, well, is that likely, right? What, what, are, what's the, what is the potential that that is actually true, right? What are the other possible ways? And when you start asking yourself those questions and getting really curious about what other possibilities there are, you know, it, 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 changes the whole dynamic. It helps with the assertiveness mindset. Cause you're like, I'm going to continue to act as if everything is cool. You know, everything is good. It's, it's kind of the fake it till you make it, but I actually call it fake it till you believe it. Right. Just assume positive intent from other people. Assume that, that they, you know, in the imposter syndrome, find you credible and, Go forth from that perspective because then you're going to be able to speak your truth and show up as your best self.
2: But what if your assertiveness isn't working? Like people aren't responding very well to it. How do hey, you? Again,
3: you can't control how other people uh, respond, right? There are ways, though, to be more effective in, in, um, in terms of how you are assertive. So I think, you know, we talked a little bit about one of them, which is being able to say no gracefully. Um, but the other one is really clarifying, another one of them is clarifying meaning and intent. So, um, so, am I responding to somebody based on reality or am I responding to somebody based on whatever story I have about them or about myself? And so you can ask somebody, hey, I need your help. When you said or did XYZ, I might have misinterpreted that to mean that, um, you know, you had a negative reaction. To something that I said, could you help me understand? What did you mean when you said X, Y, Z, right? So I think that, um, ability to ask those questions and do it in a, what I would say, skillful way where you're not making it about them. You're saying, I need your help. Could you help me understand? Right. And then it gives you the opportunity to build a closer relationship because you're actually able to, um, you know, have a conversation about it. Um, The other one I would say is taking ownership for your part in any situation. So what I mean by that is whenever you're having a conversation uh, with somebody or you're, let's say you're in a work meeting and um, something slipped through the cracks, even if it's not totally your 100% responsibility, it's it's a really good leadership skill and assertive uh, way of being to say, hey, I'm going to take ownership for that. I, You know, I didn't, um, you know, get back to the team in a timely fashion, and so this slipped through the cracks. There's something about that that is just really attractive to people and I'll always offer sort of a next steps or how to over, overcome the situation or kind of improve, um, you know, the communication moving forward or what have you. Don't just say, it's my fault, and then move on. <laughs> But those are some other examples of, I think, assertiveness skills that are, um, that are really important. And specifically, uh, the language that you use. This is not something that you get perfect at overnight. You know, that one of the biggest challenges with this, once you get over the hurdle of the, of the mindset, right, and you're like, yes, I'm going to be assertive, then you have to work on your, your skills, your language, how you talk about stuff. So it's a process for sure.
2: Okay, so take responsibility for the situation, and then hopefully you can assert your way in a way that the language you know, is going to connect, help you connect, rather than just disconnect with the other person. Um, time for a short break, and we'll be right back with more on why assertiveness is important.
3: Come celebrate life on the edge of the Western world. Join KXSF 102.5 FM on Saturday, October 12th, for the Ocean Beach Art and Music Festival at Noriega and 45th Avenue. Hosted by the Outer Noriega Merchants, this amazing community festival features local artists, craft for kids, beer and wine booths, food trucks, kids' activities, and loads of live music from a dozen bands on two stages, including the Sandys, Hot Mountain Dips, and the Reef Riders. KXSF will be their repping community radio with merch and kids' activities as well. That's the Ocean Beach Art and Music Festival at Noriega and 45th Avenue on Saturday, October 12th, between 11 a.m. and 5 p.m. See you there.
1: Support for San Francisco Community Radio comes from David Amamoto, a longtime listener and supporter of KXSF, who believes that independent radio is a vital part of our city. You, too, can become an individual underwriter of programming at KXSF. For details, go online to www.kxsf.fm, click on Become an Underwriter, and help keep San Francisco Community Radio on the air through 2019. Just speak. This is KXSF 102.5 FM, streaming worldwide at www.kxsf.fm. And you're tuned in to Spark with Kelly Marlowe. Informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul.
2: Back to the discussion about um, how best to be assertive with, Rachel K. Jack. Um, So Rachel, you were saying that everyone has a story, right? And they tend, people tend to impose the story on each other um, before the break. I just want to go back to that point because that is an interesting situation because sometimes that's where you have that disconnect between two people. So can you talk a little bit more about that?
3: Yeah. So there's this concept uh, called an interpersonal gap and it's not terribly complicated but it is um uh it is constant and pervasive it is the water we swim in so the way it works is i say something to you i think i've communicated very clearly what i'm trying to convey and all of that is going through my filters my stories my beliefs about everything and then uh so i use certain language right that that supports uh, that belief system and those stories. And then it goes through the, you know, doo, 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 through the filter and then into, into your brain. Right. And you hear things through your filters. So we've all had the experience where we both parties think we've communicated clearly. And then later when you check it out, it's like b- both people have a totally different understanding of what the conversation was. Right. And so this interpersonal gap is happening all the time. And it's really crucial to remember that whenever you think that you've communicated clearly, take the opportunity to check it out, right? Especially in high-risk situations, anything where, you know, the relationship is on the line or, um, you know, it's really important for there to be clear understanding uh, think about this interpersonal gap and just check it out with people, kind of like the example I gave just a second ago. Um,
2: how do you do that?
3: That's well, not... so you, yeah. So, I mean, we talked a little bit about this with the, um, you know, kind of clarifying meaning and intent, right? So, uh, you, you know, you can ask for somebody's help to understand what, uh, what happened or you can You know, you could say, hey, I just wanted to double check with you um, about that, you know, the meeting we had earlier today. Um, What was your understanding of what we decided on? Because I just wanted to kind of get a quick refresh, right? And use that as a way to find out for sure, check for understanding, right, to make sure that somebody got it. And make sure, you again, make sure you take ownership. It's like, I need your help. Like, you can even say – you know, I want, I I just was, you know, thinking about our earlier meeting and I wanted to um, uh, make sure I understood, right, the specifics of what we decided. Can you just give me a quick refresh? So that it's not about your checking to make sure that they got it, right? It's about you making sure that you've got it and also that they've got it. So I think it's, um, you know, that's one example. Another example would be Uh, if you're trying to figure out, um, you know, what might be going on for somebody, especially if somebody else is being passive or passive aggressive, like the example I gave a while ago, uh, earlier in our call where I said, you know, one partner says to the other, how, you know, how are you feeling or how are you doing? And they say, fine. Right. So that's an opportunity to say, uh, maybe not in the moment, depends on the situation, but to say, um, I'm noticing when you say fine that your tone of voice doesn't sound fine. Can we talk about this? Or can you share a little bit about what's going on for you? Um, Because, you know, I care. I really want to hear, you know, is there something I did to upset you? You know, so you can kind of start to unpack it that way.
2: That makes sense. So before the show, we were talking about how our mother's generation, you know, they didn't feel that they could be assertive or say what they wanted to. And so the perception may be that they they're being passive aggressive. It seems to me though women who are sort of are considered aggressive if not passive aggressive and seems to be a tricky balance. Do you think that's changed or you think it's still that's still a challenge for women?
3: Oh, it's a huge challenge. Thanks for getting me in trouble here on this subject. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a huge challenge. So what I was saying to you earlier is just you know we consider ourselves to be in sort of a more feminist era certainly you know women are able to speak their mind uh, more readily than they were once upon a time but it's not a perfect world and so a lot of times and and I've personally experienced this where as a female executive you have to be really thoughtful about you know your assertiveness because if you're if you uh, a lot of times when you're just speaking your truth, it can um, be perceived by people as you're being bitchy, right? And so it's this total catch twenty two that's very frustrating. Um, and and so that's not to say don't don't do it, don't be assertive. Just be aware, right, that that's an issue. And I think you know, gosh, we could talk for hours about this subject. But certainly, I I've heard a lot of stories and I've I've seen it a lot with women of an older generation where, you know, they um, they will behave passively, aggressively, let's say with their kids. Right. So they want their adult child to make better life choices, which is a totally good, you know, it's good great intention. Um, but instead of just saying that they will say things sort of subversively, um you know, or, or kind of innuendos that uh, just, just frustrate the, the, the kid, right? Like, just say what you want to say, right? So I think it's, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of interesting where um, it's still prevalent today, but I think it's a little bit less so. I think we're making progress. It's just taking a long time. So it
2: seems like uh, people expect women to have a nurturing tone, um, which mm-hmm. could sound passive-aggressive, or, I don't know, is it a tone thing, or is it just a no-win situation?
3: You know, there's, this is where context comes into play a lot. I think that, um, you know, a, per, any person's tone of voice and uh, body language have a lot to do with how they are perceived. So two people can say the exact same words, right, the content, and come across very differently. So if you think about body language, you know, if you're closed off and you have your arms crossed in front of you or what have you, um, and you say, uh, you know, um, yeah, I'm not available to help you out with that it comes across differently than if you have open body language, good eye contact. You're like, I'm not available to help you out with that right now. And obviously I also changed my tone of voice. So I think that there are, um, there is a little bit of this, that's it's like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, but there's also a lot that we can, um, do to, uh, to come across assertively, but also, um, approachable and so I think I think it has a lot to do with body language, um, good eye contact, uh, a tone of voice that is you know pleasant to listen to, um, and 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 you know we've all heard somebody who's a really good speaker, and sometimes it doesn't even matter what the message is; you still just feel really uh, compelled by them because a lot of it has to do with their tone of voice, the way they talk, and the way you know the way that they. Um, uh their diction, right? Or or things about their personality. So um this is a this is a whole nother topic that we can do on another show, I think.
2: Okay. Good to know. Uh, so assertiveness is about speaking your truth and putting yourself out there. What about the spotlight of attention? I mean that can create create fear, right? And yeah. putting yourself out there.
3: Yeah, that's that's one of the biggest impediments is that if you act assertively and you're not used to it, you are in the spotlight of attention and it can really of other people's attention and it can really be scary. It's almost like being on stage with literally a spotlight on you. And so, you know, it's like you're getting out of your comfort zone a little bit. And um, I think it's important to, uh, you know. Think thoughtfully about how you give feedback or how you are going to approach a difficult conversation or any of those, you know, saying no uh, gracefully. If you think about it ahead of time, it's just like practicing for a public speaking engagement. You're going to feel a lot less um, fear being in that spotlight of attention because because you've thought about it, right? You've practiced it.
2: And like you say, timing is important. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, you have to time it right. Not in the middle of a disagreement or um, where everyone's fired up, maybe wait a bit. Okay, so if I said to you what the call to action is or would be for our audience, what are the three steps you would say one should do to assert with finesse or grace?
3: I think that... um You know, going back to the self-limiting beliefs and stories, accept that that is a thing, right? Accept that that is um, something that's happening in the background all the time, right? That's the first piece is really just uh, owning that, right? And then the second thing is I think it's important to just get used to not withholding stuff that's bothering you. If it's bothering you, if you're really busy In your head not saying something to somebody that's the thing to pay attention to and it's uncomfortable and it's awkward at first but you know practice that conversation with somebody else um, first if you want to get feedback or you want to just kind of try it out right so not withholding stuff that's bothering you i think would would be the second thing i would i highly recommend people uh, start doing Um, and of course there's high risk situations. Like if you're upset with your boss, um, you gotta be really careful (laughs) and pick your timing, right. And your words very carefully, or, you know, decide if you really want to be at that job anymore, because that, that's when the stakes are really, really high. So start with the easier stuff, right? Like somebody's, uh, you know, leaving the cap off the toothpaste, that's a really low risk thing to (laughs) not withhold about um, before you jump into the deep end. And then the third thing is getting comfortable with speaking your truth, regardless of the consequences. And so this example I just gave about the boss, everybody gets to a tipping point with with a relationship where they're like, I'm not going to tolerate whatever it is that you're tolerating anymore, you know, I am going to be comfortable or maybe not comfortable, but I'm going to be willing to speak my truth um, because the, the benefits of doing so outweigh the disadvantages, you know, you're, you're willing to cut your losses. And sometimes it takes a long time to get to that place. But I think it's just really important for people to, to get comfortable with speaking their truth. If we had more assertiveness in the world, I think that uh, it would, everybody would be happier for one thing. Um, just think about how much you're busy not saying all the time, or that you're telling to somebody else instead of the person that it, you know that it's that it's about or that it's with.
2: That's a great point. Um, can you talk about a transformation that took place using these skills with a client that you worked with?
3: Yeah. So I worked with this one woman. I'll, I'll withhold her name, but. Uh, She, uh, the first couple of weeks that I was working with her was dealing with a lot. She had a a boss who for, I'll say this example is is top of mind, Um, uh, she had a boss that she'd been working for for about five years who would regularly throw her under the bus, give her projects late uh, in the day on Friday and say that he needed them by Monday, that kind of stuff just all the terrible boss stuff. Uh, She had a relationship with her father, where stemming from her um, teenage years, he had kind of labeled her as the problem child, the one that always needs to be fixed. And she was kind of the scapegoat in the family. Um, And then she also was dating somebody that was not really being very respectful and, you know, kind of playing games with her and um, not being as available unless he wanted something. Uh, and so we were talking about all these things and I said, well, where do you want to start? Right. Where do you, where do you feel like, um, it's most important for you right now? Like you just can't handle it any longer. You have to say something. And she said, uh, she wanted to talk to her, her boss, which I thought was super risky. (laughs) But we talked through it. We, you know, ran through the scenario a bunch of times different ways. She had kind of a contingency plan if it didn't go well. And indeed, it did not go well. Like this person just was not not a good guy. And so um, she started uh, working with the HR department to, you know, document some of the things that were happening. She eventually left her job. But that was the tipping point for her to uh, be more assertive in every aspect of her life. So then she had a conversation with her dad that was very upfront and said, Dad, I think you're still operating in this old paradigm about me. I have, you know, grown and learned a lot, and I really want you to respect me and, um, you know, give me the benefit of the doubt, right? And so that conversation actually went really well, and she had been reporting uh, week after week that every time they talked, you know he would catch himself sometimes, but ultimately he was getting a lot better, and and it really made her want to answer the phone when he called, where she had been starting to kind of avoid him. And then last but not least, she broke up with the guy, which free uh, with that she was dating, which freed her up to meet some new people, and it completely uh, opened up a whole new social circle for her. Um, and I think it was really freeing for her to stop. Uh, putting all of her eggs in one basket as far as this one person was concerned. So, um, that all happened within a two month period.
2: <laughs> well, definitely the relationship with her dad is the most important since it's a lifetime right. relationship. So that's, you know, that's really gratifying. I'm sure to be able to call your dad each week now and have a, a you know, more fruitful conversation, um, the relationship, though, it sounds like now she's, uh, she's probably more open to situations that she wouldn't have been before now that she's able to assert herself. Well, I encourage the audience to try out these assertive skills and let us know, Rachel and I, how it went. Um, thank you for joining me today on Spark.